0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Crossfire Faith and Gaming, the podcast. Uh, My name is David Petty.
1: And my name is Russ Dornish. And today we're gonna go through some news. And then our main topic is, we are going to get to know David Petty. So we're gonna ask some of the burning questions that may come up that people want and have to find out a little bit more about David. Uh, but first, let's get into some gaming news, because it's been two weeks since we did a podcast and a lot of stuff has happened. Yeah, a lot of stuff. For sure. Lots of stuff. What else
0: you want to lead us into it?
1: So, yeah. So first up, we obviously had the wonderful Stadia Connect since we last uh, met and uh, they had a few gaming announcements, but the big game announcement, their their big, big hitter was PUBG being on Stadia. <laughs> That's right. You can
0: now go out and shoot your friends while wearing bright orange. (laughs) So what
1: were your thoughts? I I know that you said your kid has been playing PUBG on Stadia. So you have some experience seeing how it runs on Stadia. So what, what have your thoughts been on PUBG being added?
0: Yeah, so I've, I've got mixed thoughts on this. I mean, I, for a long time, I've thought that uh, that probably one of the things that Stadia needed to do to get traction uh, was to come out with some sort of major hitting game. I mean, obviously, they launched with Red Dead and some others, um, but, but they needed a game that was free, that was available, that, that everybody knew and loved. Uh, And so for me, I was thinking that's got to be Fortnite, like it's going to come around the corner, Fortnite's going to be here. Uh, And then I was surprised to see that they had uh, a launch with PUBG. Um, Some of that, I think, related to the news we talked about last week, obviously Epic Games, not a huge fan of the Google Play Store or the way that Google does business. Um, But I was pleasantly surprised to see PUBG in there. Um, and so was my son. So my son plays a lot of, uh, games. We let him play T games for teens. Um, pub G, I guess used to be rated M and then got corrected or changed. Now it's rated T. Um, maybe they took out some of the blood. I don't know, but, uh, yeah, so I was pleasantly surprised to see that in there. And sure enough, my son jumped right in, started playing it, loves it. Uh, now he's, uh, you know, asking me to use the stadia controller all the time. Um, my first thoughts with with PUBG, I mean, when it launched, we loaded it up, and there was a lot of hiccuping. I mean, there there was hiccuping like I'd never seen before. You know, I had never had problems with Stadia um, lag or anything like that, and you know, so I thought, oh gosh, you know, maybe Stadia is is really not the platform that I thought it was. Um, you know, but my son still enjoyed it. I was kind of surprised, uh, as much as it was a headache for me, he was still having fun playing it. But then. Uh, when I tried to load up the crossplay, which here again I think is a marketing fail, they announced Stadia crossplay, it's going to be great. Well, it's not really crossplay. Uh, you can't play between the Stadia version and the PC version. Uh, you can only play from Stadia on a Chromecast to a Stadia player on PC, and only if you're using the same devices. So if you're using a c- controller, you can play a controller, or if you're both using keyboards, you can do that um but i loaded up the pc version of pubg uh only to be reminded of how laggy and how buggy pubg is in the first place so that made me wonder is the problem that we were experiencing with stadia or is it with pubg um anyway overall it's been a success i think for them in probably getting more people on the platform uh but i still think it's not the win that stadia needs to be able to uh, succeed in the next era of cloud gaming
1: yeah, I think they definitely need something else um, again to really bring two people together. Right now, everybody's clamoring for Warzone. Um, Call of Duty Warzone would probably be the next best thing if they can't yeah. get Fortnite. Um, that game, a- any of the the battle royale games out right now, there are so many different ones. If they could get one of the the better played ones, because I think PUBG has kind of just fallen behind. Like you said, it's it's still buggy. It still has issues. Everybody's moved on to these better experiences with Apex. Warzone, Fortnite, and all of them do a better job at what PUBG started. And I think getting one of those would definitely help. The other thing that came out in the last 2 weeks for a Stadia, which has actually been really good, is wireless controller support is finally here for non Chromecast Ultra um playing. So if you play on a PC, if you play on a mobile phone, you can now use the controller finally wirelessly, which was promised from the start. Um, and I think this is a huge get cause that was one of my biggest complaints is I don't want to have to plug in my controller. If you just say I can carry my controller with me and hook up to a computer or, um, my Chromecast ultra or my phone that makes it so much easier. And I think that's a huge, a huge announcement and a huge get. So they're slowly getting into the swing of things. I feel where they should have been at launch and they're <laughs> finally getting there and we're what almost, I mean, when, it, when is a year? Did did it come out in October?
0: Um, gosh, I'm trying to remember. Um, someone may gone. have to go back and edit this part. Yeah, somebody's going to tell us when it came out, but um, and I do think that you know, this is one of those things anything that Stadia can do to get closer to what was promised at launch. Um, I you know, I think that if Stadia can get to the place that it was when they had the, the game developers conference and they had the big announcement about what Stadia was going to be, any device, anywhere, anytime. Uh, You know, if they can get it on iOS devices, if they can uh, get it on uh, 5G mobile, um, you know, and if they can get that wireless controller support, I think those things are going to be huge. Next, the thing that Stadia needs is going to be uh, to get those games. They've got to get those huge, hot, big new titles. Uh, And I think we're going to see that in the future. I mean, I think we've seen uh, in terms of announcements that, you know, uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is going to come to Stadia. We've seen uh similar to the Xbox announcement that we're going to talk about later. Uh, we saw that, uh, oh gosh, what's it called? Chorus, which is coming to the Xbox series X is coming out on Stadia. Um, so yep. I think we're going to see some of those big titles. Um, but I still think that, uh, we're, we're just waiting to get out of beta with Stadia. Um, but the wireless controller support huge, right? This last week, grabbed my controller. Um, you know, playing on the TV, swapped over to the computer, sat down, boom. It was seamless. Um, amazing experience when it works the way they said it was supposed to.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, those are great things. Hopefully we'll see where Stadia is going and if they get some more game announcements, especially with um, the Summer of Games initiative that has been announced that the developers are going to start kind of announcing games regularly from now through the end of the summer, since there's no E3. So it'll be interesting to see um, how many announcements Stadia is a part of and what they're able to bring to the platform come the fall, which brings us to new release news. So since we, we met last uh, a number of things have happened with probably one of the biggest games of the year, which is the last of us part two. We got the new release date announced, which is June 19th. So we are, almost a month away from that game coming out, which I am beyond excited for. But the downside of this and the downside of that announcement came because before they announced their new release date, somebody leaked almost the entire game online. Uh, cinematic trailers, uh, uh, cut scenes, the whole story, I guess, got leaked. I've had one small thing le- uh, spoiled for me. You have stayed in the dark. I,
0: I uh, stay completely in the dark. So, <laughs> so like, Hopefully... <laughs> I I haven't searched for anything. I haven't gone on the internet. (laughs) I am. I'm trying to stay. I I don't want to know. Like,
1: so they had a new trailer, but let's talk about the leaks because the big thing that happened with the leaks was everybody thought it was a disgruntled naughty dog employee. um, That leaked all of the things. And a lot of people were frustrated with that because they're like, no way an employee does this because that hurts their fellow employees, not naughty dog. These people who have worked on this game for six plus years um, are the ones that get hurt the most by these leaks. So it was found out that the leakers were were outside people. It was a hacker that did it. It was not an employee, um, but it still happened. What are your thoughts on the leaks and what it might be be like to be a Naughty Dog employee right now having to deal mm. with these leaks?
0: I don't know i mean I, I think you know in some ways right the whole world is in uh in a weird place right so you know to be a naughty dog employee is probably uh you start off from a baseline of being in a weird place uh has got to be tough i mean i think for anybody who's working on any project right that's got a release without your your major marketing push that's got a really you know we we're talking about this with uh the movies that came out you know your your trolls too and your um whatever else was coming out last, uh, last month that, you know, for those movies to release without their marketing push, without their major, uh, launch experiences, uh, is that's gotta be, you know, you know, as a developer, you're going to take a hit. Um, you're going to not see the kind of sales that you would have expected. Now, maybe in some ways, you know, those, those things we were expecting in digital content only, you know, nobody's, you're not going to the movie theater play last of us. Um, maybe those things will see an increase, but I do think that, they're going to get hit too. Um, it's got to be tough for a Naughty Dog employee, especially with a studio that is so tight-lipped on the story, um, you know, where we don't know anything about what's going on and, and they've managed to keep a really good lid on this. Uh, it's just got to be devastating, uh, you know, to see those spoilers out there. And uh, the only thing that I hope is that there's enough good uh, media coverage when it comes out about how great the story is that can say, I know you saw those spoilers and I know you're upset with whatever they were. Play the story, right? See the story the way it was meant to be seen. And, you know, and, you know, maybe for like for folks like Brian in our Crossfire group, maybe he's excited because he actually loves seeing spoilers. Uh, And he was talking about loving uh, going into something, knowing all the twists and turns. I don't know. But I have also I've stayed completely in the dark. So uh, I'm going to try and stay that way.
1: Yeah, I'm going to keep trying to. I don't want this spoiled. I want to have the full experience from start to, to finish. I want to give them a chance because I know from playing all of Naughty Dog's games and them being my favorite developer and me liking every single game they've put out, um, I know the emotion that you get from playing a story from start to finish with them, the the ties you get to the characters, the, the, the development of the characters throughout the story. I can't see them putting out this horrible of a game that everybody's been talking about because of the stories that, that they're going to be telling. I, I want to see it for myself. And I just, I can't believe that it's going to be that bad, but we'll just have to see for ourselves. Cause I know both you and I will be playing it um, from the get go here in almost a month. So I'm excited to see what happens. So that brings us to the next big thing, which was yesterday's inside Xbox event, which everybody was hyped for. I was excited for we're in quarantine we're looking for any gaming news and they tell us they're going to have a gameplay event for next gen for third party games and here i am excited rolling up my sleeves to watch this event and just like many other people i was very disappointed so i'm going to use a an article from polygon and just discuss i'm going to read a little bit of it and then we can respond to it but so the title of the article is Xbox executive says it set some wrong expectations for the Xbox Series X game reveals and it was written by Michael McWorder from Polygon and here is what he had to say. So reaction was mixed inside to Microsoft's Inside Xbox Live stream that showed off some of the first Xbox Series X gameplay. Many viewers were complaining about the lack of lack of actual gameplay on display. The YouTube upload of the Inside Xbox event has been downvoted over 23,000 times. and (laughs) Commenters vented extreme frustration with what Microsoft and its partners showed. Xbox Games Marketing General Manager Aaron Greenberg responded to blowback about the Inside Xbox live stream, saying that Microsoft set some wrong expectations about what would be shown and adding, that's on us. So if you haven't watched it, go and watch it. But it revealed a number of new games coming to Xbox series X. Mind you, they are not Xbox series X only games. They are also current gen games as well. And a lot of the games shown while Microsoft said at the beginning of the press conference are all in engine videos. They were not all gameplay footage. Uh, A lot of it was cinematic trailers in engine. Um, And that is a, a tough sell for people who are watching and wanting to see these new games, especially because the entire conference they were leading up to and talking about how in just a few short minutes, we will get the first gameplay details from Assassin's Creed Valhalla. The Assassin's Creed Valhalla trailer came and it was just that it was another trailer with maybe two to three seconds of gameplay. If that's what we were to be believed, but nothing directly with the main character. So, David, did you see the Xbox live stream and what are your thoughts on the gameplay um, faux pas, so to speak? Yeah, I, did not-
0: I didn't see it live. Uh, I did go back and watch some of it after the fact. Uh, and I was kind of surprised too. You know, I saw the, that their announcement about, you know, that they're releasing uh, this stuff about Assassin's Creed Valhalla and like, here's gameplay. And I watched it and I thought, uh, no, that's not gameplay. That's, this is like, this is a cinematic trailer where, uh, maybe five percent of it was created with in-game footage, but still not gameplay. Um, you know, like, like, what are we doing here? You know, and and I saw it even then later. I I loaded up my UPlay on my PC and I was going to launch Assassin's Creed uh, Odyssey to do some benchmark tests, and and there again, you know, check out the new gameplay from Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And I thought, no, <laughs> and I watched the video, the same video, same thing, no gameplay. Um, So, you know, I think I was was probably equally underwhelmed like most people in the world were with uh, not seeing a whole lot of gameplay. I think also that they didn't hype enough the fact that this was third party developers. There was a lot of hype that there was just seeing next gen gameplay on the Series X. Uh, And so, you know, if the emphasis is next gen gameplay on the Series X, we want to see some wow. We want to see some splash. We want to see the things that make the Xbox Series X shine. Uh, and I, I use that pun intended, um, because there was that, I forget the one game that was just like, everything looked like it was covered in shiny water, um, which I wondered how much we're going to see because they're pumping ray tracing. And so it's like, look, everybody ray tracing's here. Let's make everything shiny. Um, (laughs) but yeah, so I, I was underwhelmed. Um, but I thought it was hopefully something that they're going to be able to redeem themselves when they come back in July with the exclusive content with, uh, the xbox
1: yeah it's so my twist and what i want to look at on this is you know we've discussed that sony's kind of dropped the ball they're not really showing much with the ps5 they are staying very quiet we still don't know what it looks like um they've been way behind on things and they've gotten a lot of heat for it what i'm seeing now after yesterday's press conference is people are now saying Maybe Sony being quiet and not really doing anything is helping their case because they're kind of letting Microsoft doom themselves um, from this event. Now, I went into this event thinking, okay, these are all third-party games. The majority of these games are going to be playable on my PS5. So I'm still going to get both things, but Microsoft is doing it. Now Microsoft is taking heat for saying, here's gameplay, and then not actually having gameplay. And I'm wondering if maybe Sony is going to take this and run with it and learn from this and be like, you know, in a couple of weeks, they're supposed to have a PlayStation 5 reveal event, whether it's the end of May or beginning of June. We don't know exactly yet, but can Sony now take this and be like, we're showing a gameplay event and they actually do gameplay almost as a, you know, uh, a thing against Microsoft, kind of like what they did with the whole used games last gen when Microsoft said we're not allowing used games and then Sony took that and made a really funny video to make fun of them and it got a lot of praise. Could Sony be preparing to kind of combat this and maybe do this a little bit better?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think um, I think the, the question of, you know, Sony staying quiet being a good thing, uh, you know, it goes back to that old saying of, you know, it's better to keep your mouth shut and seem a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Um, I, I think Sony's got some... Some stuff up their sleeve, and I think that the longer Sony can stay quiet, the bigger splash that they can make when they actually do release some things. Um, I, you know, we're seeing that certainly with the console itself. You know, Xbox came out really early, really big, really bold, and said, "Here's our box, here's our our uh, components, here's what we're running." And you know, I think PlayStation's going to come later, but with a pretty heavy hand, saying, "Hey, um, we've had this thing all the time, and..." Yeah, it's gonna be like a mic drop moment for Sony. But we'll see. I mean, I still come back to the idea that that the more important thing I mean at this point, here's the other thought that I had looking at the um at this latest reveal of of next gen gameplay is that we're almost to a point, if not already there or past it, where graphics being amazing is expected. And so, you know, I, I watched whatever that game was that was shiny. Um, I'll have to find it. I watched this uh, trailer for the shiny game. You know, the one where he's like shooting somebody in like a Spartan yep. helmet. It's with a uh, shield. Bright, <laughs> bright Memory Infinite. Okay. Bright Memory Infinite. Um, I mean, so polished, so beautiful. Just amazing graphics. But that's not good enough. <laughs> I need story too. I need, you know... We need more than just shiny worlds and big guns for games to be successful, uh, and that's where I think that you look at at the success of some of the games that um, that have not been big, splashy, phenomenal games, or even the fact that Minecraft is still played by you know like almost a billion people or whatever it is. Uh, people don't care about the about the shininess; they want fun gameplay. That's my yeah. thing and story right compelling stories
1: i watched somebody's youtube video where they actually talked about that they went generation by generation and they said this was the this generation's console and this is what happened when they went to the next gen and almost every time um the the new console went 10 times more powerful than the previous gen okay and that happened up until this gen with ps4 and xbox one we got like a six or seven times bump in power the problem is right now this new gen is only looking from the xbox uh one x and the ps4 pro we're only looking at a four to three times jump in power so his point was how much are we actually going to see graphics start to improve and when do we get to that point where we're kind of tapping out and topping out at where we can be so I think, and this is my thing, the big thing that people are talking about this, gen is going to be the SSDs and the speeds and what that's able to do as far as gameplay goes. How can we truly show that in an event like this, besides saying this game's going to load up instantly? Like that's going to be something you're going to experience firsthand yourself. It's not going to be something that I'm going to see in a conference and be like, oh my God, that's so amazing. Look what I can do. I think what games are going to be able to do with that is going to be something we're going to have to experience on top of that with games being developed for both current gen and next gen, which a lot of these games are because they're all smart delivered, which means you can buy the previous one and you're going to get a um, game update that ups it to the new resolution. The games will not be able to utilize the SSD to the point that it actually makes a massive difference Compared to just the fact that it's just going to load a little quicker. So, my thing is, until we get full next gen only games, we probably won't see anything, which is the other thing I saw a lot of people saying about the games they saw. Like you said, how much better are these games going to actually look? How much better are they actually going to play? What is going to be the real difference? And I think what's going to make people really go, oh my gosh, I can't wait for next gen, it's going to be the exclusives whatever xbox shows and their exclusives and then of course what sony shows we know we know for a fact that before we know it we're going to see horizon zero dawn two right and it's is it going to be a launch title if it's a launch title holy crap sony's (laughs) got a leg up over everything however microsoft is saying halo is going to be a launch title um so is halo the new halo going to be that much better on xbox series x however from what they said is it's going to be a current gen game too. So how much can they really jump to that next gen? That's going to be, right. I think, something to watch for here coming up.
0: And I, you know, I think as good and as time tested as Halo is like, it's old IP. I mean, this is, you know, this is like the, you know, new updates for world of Warcraft. It's like, okay, great. You can, you can level up to 175 now or whatever it is. Um Why? <laughs> Whereas, you know, things like Horizon Zero Dawn 2, I think, you know, you've got this brand new IP, not brand new, but relatively new IP um, that I think you could do a lot with. Uh, I I also think, just going back to my comment earlier about... um, graphics. I think the question is going to be around gameplay and and how do you use what you have now in better graphics and better performance to increase and change that gameplay. Things like I'm assuming Cyberpunk 2077 is going to do with this massive open world, zero loads, um very detailed, you know, kind of like Red Dead Redemption 2 but with like 25 times more people. Um you know, so you're in this massive downtown city rather than in this sprawling rural environment riding your horse slowly you know, you're going to be driving extremely fast, uh, zero load times and long draw distances. This is one of the things that I want to see back to the question about Stadia. When Stadia was really uh, announced earlier, one of the things they were talking about that was going to be a game changer with Stadia was that you have the ability to launch multiple cloud-based consoles simultaneously and do live uh, couch co-op gaming where you've got multiple players in the same world rendering multiple camera angles from different views with highly detailed textures and things like, you know, a thousand zombies, things that, that before now were not possible and now are made possible because of the technology. But so far stadia hasn't shown anything that's capitalized on that. They're showing games where you can stack blocks on each other and, you know, games we already know. So I'm curious to see what what does next-gen gameplay really look like?
1: Yeah, I think we'll have to wait a little bit longer for that. Luckily, it is right around the corner. I think we're going to find all that information out. It's just a bummer that we didn't at least get like a really small snippet this last week um, because while those games looked great, I I couldn't see much that really said, oh my gosh, I can't wait for next-gen, especially because none of those games were really true gameplay. Um, If bright memory infinite looks exactly like it did with that kid running around and shooting and grappling and sword and all that stuff. Amazing. I can't wait for that game. It looks awesome, but um, I want to see it actually, you know, out and somebody with a controller playing on it and show what it looks like before I really, you know, get excited for it. So let's move into our next topic. So we are going to be interviewing um, you, David, to find out a little bit more about you. Um, it kind of gets your ideas on, um, what this is all looking like, but who you are and why you doing uh, a podcast about gaming and faith works out. So
0: we have uh, no idea. (laughs) I have no idea why this works out.
1: Let's, uh, let's get into this. So I have some questions for you that I'll ask. Um, so the first one is what does your background in gaming look like? Why are you able to talk about games, um, with other people?
0: Yeah, so I think um I have always been I would say I'm I'm the average gamer, right? I am not your hardcore gamer, I'm not your dedicated gamer, I'm not your platinum everything gamer. Um I'm also not your like a guy who picks up a game once every 20 years. Um I'm probably a really good representation of your average gamer, right, who's balancing, you know, raising a family and working a job and playing games as a hobby. Um, but I really deeply care for story. Uh, my background in film and storytelling, um, I, I care a lot about what stories are being told in games, you know. So I'm really interested in those games that that ask the deep hard questions of what does it mean to be human? Uh, and I'm I'm deeply interested in the games that pose really insanely difficult um moral dilemmas. You know, like I would say this is probably one of my favorite things about Detroit Become Human. Um, you know, those moments where it's like, if I do this, that's wrong. And if I do this, that's also wrong, but I have to choose. Um, I, I don't know. Like those things are just phenomenal for me. So I would say, you know, I'm qualified to talk about games because I'm just like everybody else. I'm an average guy, but I, I'm deeply interested in story and I'm deeply passionate about uh, how that looks and the stories that we tell when we play games.
1: So this is Crossfire faith and gaming so obviously we are having a faith aspect to it and both you and myself have a faith background um, that puts us a little bit deeper than just the ordinary person who goes to church but tell me what your faith background looks like um what are your kind of qualifications as far as the faith side of things go
0: yeah so um so my my story is interesting i grew up in the church um, for me, like like the church and, and faith was always just kind of in the background. It was always something I took for granted. Uh, I never really took any sort of deep uh, second look at my faith until probably I got to high school. Um, that was the time where I started asking those questions of like, is this really my faith that's my own uh, or am I in this because I inherited it from my parents? And I think so many of us grow up in the church uh, and we just kind of go along with whatever we're taught and we never question it. Um, But I was encouraged to question it and I started looking at why I was a United Methodist um, and eventually came back to the idea that I was United Methodist because I really appreciated the emphasis on um, kind of a personal faith journey. Um, Your faith journey doesn't have to look like anybody else's faith journey. Your understanding of spirituality doesn't have to meet the same criteria, right? It's, It's less about having the right answers and more about asking the right questions. Uh, and having a, a, the, the right approach to even asking those questions. Um, so for me, I really appreciated that. And the emphasis on on freedom of thought uh, within faith was attractive to me. So, so that got me into the faith. But then I kind of you know, fell away for a while in college, like most of us do. Uh, and it was really my, my starting a family um, and having kids that like, brought me back into the faith and brought me back to realize what I thought was important, where my values were. Uh, that brought me back into the church. Uh, And it was then that I really started accepting some of the spiritual gifts that I have uh, and accepting the, the idea that I may be called to ministry. Uh, So then I've been in full-time professional ministry for uh, four years now and decided I would start this interesting community of faithful gamers online. Okay.
1: Um,
0: (laughs) So, so you're now a pastor, right? Yes. That's what they tell me. And I show up on Sunday and I preach and
1: a little off the cuff question, but, uh, what's your favorite thing about
0: being a pastor? Um, gosh, I think my favorite thing about being a pastor is, is truly being able to live into my values, um, to not have to feel like I'm, um, working a job just to work a job. Um, but that I'm working a job that I'm passionate about, that I'm working a job that lines up with my values and my uh, hopes and desires for life. Um, the other thing, and I'm just going to borrow a line here from uh, a pastor that I met in Denver and, um, his line. And I totally agree with it is the best thing about being a pastor is it's my job to tell people every day that God loves them. How cool is that? Like I, I get to, I get to show up and remind people that God loves them. Uh, and it's so simple and yet I think it's something that we forget when we go throughout life and things become hard and we feel like we're questioning whether we're valuable or not. We're questioning uh, our our life goals. We're questioning our uh, you day to day life. We're questioning everything. We're questioning why the world is in lockdown and why this virus is going. And like and in the middle of all of that, we forget this one super basic thing that God loves us. And it's my job to tell people. So I love that. That's awesome. Um, so the next question I have
1: kind of brings those two together, but why did you want to, and I should say, start Crossfire um, and work with this community and kind of what what
0: is your goal in doing all of this? Yeah. So one of the things that I've always been interested in is the question uh, that we're all answering now. Uh, but I started asking this question when I started in professional ministry. Uh, which is what does church look like when church doesn't look like church, right? What does church look like when there's no building, when there's no institution, when there's no uh, book of discipline, when there's no uh, doctrine or creed or right answers? Um, What does church look like when you don't have the things that we all think are church and yet are all, most of them are a relatively modern construction of church. You know, you look at the history of the Christian church over 2000 years and, you know, us all having Bibles in our homes is only in the last quarter of that. Um, us singing hymns or singing songs is a relatively recent thing. I mean, even to the point where, you know, so many of the, the things that we think of as common in the church, like an organ, um, was actually at one point thought of like a nuisance like why would you have this loud musical instrument in a church um and yet for us we think of it as as normal you know now we're having the arguments over guitars and screens um but my question was what does church look like when church doesn't look like church so i took that question and i started asking well who's not in church right who are the people who don't want to show up in church uh and some of it was then reconnecting with the idea that play is important in life um, cause for a while I was studying, I was working, I was doing everything and i had completely lost any sort of sense of touch with my playful side, um, with fun, with recreation. Uh, and in some ways I lost touch with any sort of community, right? Cause me as just a, as an American male, Uh, I didn't have a great sense of community. I wasn't getting together with other people. So I said, okay, I'm going to reconnect with play. I'm going to reconnect with community. And some of those I found through gaming. So when I found this group of gamers and I found the idea of gaming, I realized in answer to my prior question of what is a group of people who are not in church, some of it is gamers, right? A lot of us, or, or even beyond the gamers, people who choose to find their primary sense of community in an online community. Um, Right, which a lot of online gamers are doing that. So I said, well, a lot of these people probably would feel more comfortable going to church online or having a faith community online instead of in person. So I said, what if there was a community that was a faith-based community where people shared an affinity for gaming? And so then I started exploring it. And then the exploration of that idea became the group that we're in today, Crossfire Faith and Gaming.
1: Okay, so from here, where where do you want to see Crossfire go? I know we kind of discussed that last podcast, um, but kind of what are your hopes and dreams and, and what are you enjoying about what's happening right now with Crossfire?
0: Yeah, so I think that there's still... Um... There's still a lot of unanswered questions. I mean, when we think about church, some of the, the the quadrant of things that we think about that make up a church would be like worship, devotion, mercy, and justice. We all know what worship looks like on Sunday morning, um, but what does worship look like in this community? And we still haven't answered that question. Um, devotion. I think, you know, we did some Lenten daily devotionals. Um, if you haven't checked those out, go check them out. Um, those were awesome. Um, but what does devotion look like and how is it different? Uh, and then I think ministries of mercy and justice, um, we've started the conversations around what, uh, ministries of mercy look like in terms of, uh, helping to support, uh, organizations out there like extra life, um, or, uh, is it level up? I can't remember. There's, there's something else out there. Um, but some of these organizations that really help, you know, kids who are in hospitals who don't have access to play. Um, I think, you know, there's questions around, um, where we can put our efforts and our, our money and our um, prayers to really help people. Uh, and then I think the questions around issues of, of justice, right. Beyond just the helping people who are hurting and in need right now, where can we start the conversations that I think are happening in other places? Um, we're going to have to edit out Russell yawning there, man. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but um But where can we start the conversations that I think are happening in other arenas uh, about what are the injustices in some areas of gaming? Um, Where are places that we think the church specifically has something to say about gender equality, about representation of people with different abilities, uh, about racial equality, about access, um, you know, How do we solve those questions? How do we break down those barriers? You know, some of the, what I love about Stadia is that it's a really low cost entry point for people to play high quality games, uh, where before, you know, talk about access for people of different demographics. You know, if you wanted to play PlayStation or Xbox games, you're looking at a $500 investment by the time you're done buying controllers and all that kind of stuff. And Stadia takes the phone that you already have in your pocket, if it's not an iOS device, Yet, <laughs> um, and and a $20 controller, and it turns it into an amazing device for play. Um, but I think, yeah, those questions of justice um, that I believe, right, our faith speaks to that we're all created equal. Uh, our faith speaks to the fact that we should value each other, not based on our income, but based on the fact that we're human, um, that our faith speaks to in terms of uh, forgiveness and care for one another rather than in some of the uh, toxic online and gaming environments where you see people calling each other names and and getting mad and rage quitting and uh, you know all those things that are kind of common to games that you know we laugh when we see the video of the 13 year old kid yelling at his mom and throwing the controller at the screen but like that's a real problem how do we tackle addiction in life and when it comes to games and how do you balance those things? Um, so those are the things that I really hope that this group is uniquely poised to discuss, to deal with, to find solutions for, uh, and to just really be at the center of as we find the intersection between faith and games.
1: So getting to know you a little bit better on a personal side, um, what besides gaming, what are some of the hobbies that you enjoy um, that you like to do in
0: your free time and spare time? Um, I'm really, like I said, I'm fascinated with stories. So I like watching movies and TV, uh, especially really compelling stories, um, you know, that get to the heart of, of humanity. Um, I really enjoy uh, the outdoors. So snowboarding, bike riding, hiking. um, Those are some things that I love. Uh, Fishing, hunting. uh, I did once and not sure if I'm going to do it again, but we'll see. (laughs) Uh, I play some golf. Uh, for me, it's, it's a matter, especially here where it's fairly inexpensive, uh, to just get outside, you know, when you're inside all the time and you can get out on the golf course and say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do this ridiculous task that makes no sense, but it's going to get me outside in the sunshine and I'm going to walk for two hours. (laughs) Um, yeah, that's kind of some of the things I enjoy.
1: Okay, so let's go into some gaming stuff. So if you were to pick a list, what are your top five favorite video games?
0: Oh, I knew you were gonna ask me this. Um, for me, it's hard. I think for me, when I come back to games, uh, I have to throw out Half-Life. Um, for me, it was a uh, first love kind of a video game. Uh, it was interesting, right? Interesting story, compelling story, um, very weird, uh, fun, fast-paced, first-person shooter in some places. Uh, it also was the platform uh, for Counter-Strike, which became a social outlet for me throughout high school, playing at LAN parties and getting together with friends. Um, so yeah, Half-Life would be on there and then Portal. Uh, I love just for the the kind of quirky nature of it and the interesting Um, puzzles and uh, all the twists and turns in the, the portal and portal two story. Um, Then I would say probably um, last of us for a, again, just a heart wrenching, you know, all of the fungus aside, the story at the heart of it, of what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to deal with grief and loss and heartbreak? Uh, How do you make difficult moral choices? Um, Choices that may seem correct in one realm but incorrect in another. Um, gosh, such an amazing story uh, and told very well. Um, let's see, one, two, three. Yeah, three, two more. Um, and then I would say probably uh, Minecraft um, because it's just fun and uh, expansive. I think the open world exploration aspects of Minecraft to just be able to literally go forever and never end, <laughs> you know, 50,000 blocks later and you're not, it's not like you're, you know, off the map ever. Um, so for that, and and that was also a sense of community for me playing on a server with some friends. Um, and then I would say last is probably a tie between Red Dead Redemption two and uh, Death Stranding. And I think for me, the, the core between both of those is story, right? Death Stranding tells this story of, you know, what does it mean to be human? Uh, What does it mean to deal with loss and grief? Uh, Same things you're dealing with in Red Dead Redemption, but you're also dealing with a lot of questions of morality, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) A lot of questions. I don't don't know that there's redemption in that one, but (laughs) those are probably Uh, my my top six.
1: Okay. Top six. Um, next up, switching switching gears to back to the faith side of things. What is your favorite Bible verse or Bible story and why?
0: Yeah. So I've got two, um, probably my two favorites. Uh, number one, I'm going to say I like this one because it, it reminds me not to take everything in the Bible too seriously. And that this is written by uh, people who were inspired by God to write these words down. Um, but that they have human concerns and questions and sometimes uh you know human language so i think the first one would be uh comes from first kings nope second kings hold on let me jump over here yeah so second kings um 2 there we go second kings 2 23 where elijah elisha sorry goes up and some small boys come out of the city jeering at him saying go away bald head go away bald head and then he turns around he sees (laughs) them he curses them in the name of the lord and then two she bears come out of the woods and maul 42 of the boys and then it says he went on from there to mount carmel and returned to samaria I love this. It's, it's so weird. Right. But it, it just points to like the humanity in it that says, you know, at some point, I don't know why this story was written down. If it was meant to say, uh, don't make fun of bald people. Always good. If it's meant to say, uh, clearly, if somebody says that something is happening in the name of the Lord, it's going to happen. Uh, if it's meant to say, respect your elders. Um, if it's meant to show authority, I have no idea, but it's weird. And I love it. Um, (laughs) Probably my other favorite Bible verse, on a more serious note, is uh, something that I think we probably all have experienced in some way, shape, or form. Uh, relates to the idea that you know sometimes we're told to listen for the voice of God. And when I was a kid, I really struggled with that because I was listening to hear this like, like the uh, the old Bill Cosby skit, audible where, like, voice. You know, you hear this like, Noah, this is the Lord. And, you know, we're sitting there listening and listening and listening. You just don't hear the audible voice. Um, But then you look at the story of Elijah meeting God at Horeb, where God says to go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then there was a great wind and then there was an earthquake and then there was a fire and then there was silence. And God was in the silence. And so I think for me, that's a reminder that, when we are listening for God that silence and stillness and quiet can be just as impactful as the large outrageous fire and tornado and the wind. And, and so it's a reminder for me to listen. Okay.
1: Well, that's both are both. I think are very, uh, you in different ways. (laughs) um so i like i like both those uh last question here kind of you know going on to some of our gaming ideas and what's going to potentially be happening in the future but what are your most anticipated games coming up in the next several months
0: um obviously last of us two um really excited about that uh i'm can't wait to see if we ever hear anything about horizon zero dawn two um it's kind of far off but you never know um I'm excited at some point to try Minecraft with ray tracing just because it'll be fun to play with ray tracing. Um, I don't know. I think cyberpunk 2077, you know, we we've seen so much about it. Right. And the latest news, of course, like you can customize genitals. It's kind of weird. But I've also heard that they make a fair uh, deal about religion in cyberpunk 2077, that like there's a, a whole element of religion, um, and I'm curious to see where they go with that because we've seen religion portrayed in a lot of negative ways in games. Um, I mean, certainly you look at games like Far Cry 5 that you know looks at the extremists in religion and what happens when your religion and your extremism um, are kind of together and you form a cult and drug everybody. And anyway, um, yeah. So I'm I'm curious to see games that show religion in more respectful ways um i don't know i think assassin's creed valhalla should be interesting but um i do wonder if it's too much of just a mashup between like the uh kind of god of war meets assassin's creed odyssey like they were just taking assassin's creed and just like going on a world tour um yeah yeah and i'm i'm mostly excited for whatever game stadia comes out with that makes us all believe in stadia (laughs) because i think it's possible
1: i know it's it's possible it'll eventually come it'll eventually come that's my whole thing you just gotta wait okay so that's gonna kind of end the interview portion of this but before we end i want to do one last final segment here something that we'll do in future but um what are you playing now um and what do you recommend other people to play right now
0: Uh gosh right now i'm playing uh, a lot of not playing um i'm playing um uh, i mean right now probably the thing that i'm playing the most would be minecraft um i've, I've been playing minecraft because we uh so shout out we just okay. started a brand new uh, minecraft uh crossfire server Uh, It's open to anybody that wants to join it. Um, Although we are limited to 10 players at a time, if that becomes a problem, we'll see what happens. Uh, I would love to hit the time where we are maxing that out all the time. But um, come check it out. Come swing by, play Minecraft. Uh, I enjoy it because it's something you can jump in for five minutes or five hours, regardless of what you have available. Um, So that's part of what I'm playing. I played a little bit of Superhot the other day. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Not really definitively playing anything at some point i'll get back to god of war i'll get back to uh beyond two souls i'll probably start playing cities skylines which is free on ps plus but uh yeah mostly i'm just playing uh how to be a pastor in an online church during a global Pandemic. <laughs> i get it yeah. that's a really hard game <laughs> i know i know keeps changing every day yeah
1: um, so I am playing, I showed you this and you thought it was weird. Uh, I've been playing snow runner, um, which is a weird trucking simulator with like real world physics and all sorts of stuff. I will tell you, it's a very slow game. Uh, I'm not sure how long I'm going to play it for or how long I can survive. Cause there are frustrating moments where if you get your truck stuck in a certain spot, you have to completely go back to like where you were previously. And it takes a really long time. And the map is huge. Um, so I'm not sure how much I, I will actually get into <laughs> it and go on through it. Uh, I thought it looked interesting, kind of a good quarantine type mindless. Um, I put on a podcast and then I just drive my truck. <laughs> uh, so sure, I don't know. I don't know if I'd it's recommend just like real life. it to people. Yeah. It's, it's it's real life all over. You know, that's what do I want to do right now because you can't come get out, out with like a
0: class A commercial license or something
1: uh wouldn't that be cool to add that um but uh very interesting and then other than that uh i'm trying to remember what else i am working on right now again i'm a completionist so that is part of my gaming repertoire i do need to get back to um, i still haven't finished horizon zero dawn i come and go so i need to get back to that for sure um and then i think i'm just waiting right now for some of the bigger titles coming up but the last of Us part two will be for sure a start to finish um playing that game so that's kind of what i'm looking forward to and anticipating so and i've dabbled a little bit in minecraft i will probably be joining the server and doing stuff in there but i still don't get it and i don't get it's it's love and affinity by so many people as i'm playing it because i'm just like okay cool i get i guess
0: it's <laughs> it's minecraft so well, let me let me try and let me try and convince you here. Let me try and sell you on Minecraft. Um, okay. So for me, uh, and this is not for everybody. I mean, it's for for some people out there, you really like having a quest that says, you know, okay, Russ, you have to deliver package A to city B in 27 minutes, right? And that's your quest. And so you say, okay, I'm going to do this quest and I'm going to achieve this. Minecraft is. Um, First, you figure out what you want to do. And we're talking survival mode here, okay? So in survival mode, you figure out what is it that you want to do. You say, I want to build a massive pyramid made entirely out of quartz. So you say, this is going to be fun. I'm going to to build a massive pyramid made entirely out of quartz. Well, what does that take? Well, first you have to go into the nether because that's the only place you can find quartz. Then you have to mine nether quartz. Then you have to bring it back and refine it into quartz. And you have to get enough of it to be able to come back and build your pyramid. Um, so it's kind of like, imagine playing with Legos, only you have to make the Legos that you want to play with before you play with them. Um, so you can build houses, you can go find stuff, you can. Um, but it, it all depends on what is it that you want to do and what's necessary to get to do the thing you want to do. Is the Crossfire server in survival mode or creative mode? It is in survival mode.
1: Oh, okay. Maybe I will join. Cause I'm trying to get the trophies of course and get the yeah. platinum. Um, and I found a cheap way to do it. And it's not super easy. I'll say that there's a couple trophies. I'm having a hard time with the rest. I've gotten really quickly and easily. Well, and there but, is a uh, really, yeah, I, I mean, if you want to go with through with
0: with what's necessary to, to get to the end, Right, there is a whole difficult thing where you have to get Ender Crystals and Ender Eyes Already and then did build it. this whole I, thing. And then you have to get to the end and then you have to defeat the Ender Dragons. Um,
1: I couldn't kill the Ender time. Dragon. I died. I died yep. multiple times and I quit. <laughs> well, that's where I'm at. I am in the end, but that is where I'm at. Okay, I'll have to join you guys. Yeah. If everybody else wants to join um you know it's a fun thing that we're doing as a community and it seems like it's picked up some traction in our community and you kind of your your decision to do that has kind of hit a an itch that people had so it's kind of cool to see everybody interact with that and
0: join and do the uh the server on minecraft so we'll, well see and where maybe that goes, at one point maybe we'll have a segment with jason cox uh jason cox is uh, a licensed local pastor up in montana and um he is kind of one of the main people who's uh, interested in getting this Minecraft server up and running. Uh, so he's actually spent a good amount of time getting it all, you know, in there. He built this massive glass uh, facade of a cross and flame in front of a thing. And of course you say, okay, I want to do that. Well, what does it take to get glass? You got to get sand. You got to smelt the sand. You get anyway. Um, but so maybe at some point we'll do an interview with him and, uh, but yeah, go check it out.
1: And that's going to do it for our second ever podcast. The second one, episode number
0: two. Number two. Second.
1: Um, I'm very excited for some upcoming things. We've got uh, some interviews lined up with people. Um, I've got some cool things kind of in the work behind the scenes of some other people we can talk to or in Christian gaming. Um, That is a thing, it exists. And I want to find out more about it um, out of the mainstream gaming. And I think it's a really cool idea. So I'm excited to see where this goes. And if you guys come back for the next episode, you might just get to know a little bit about me um, in the
0: next one. I think we're going to interview Russ on that one.
1: I think we're going to find out a little bit about who I am and what that looks like. But uh, that's all I have for this episode. David, what about you?
0: Uh, I think that's it. Uh, I would just love to connect with all of you guys on our Facebook page, uh, Facebook group, rather. That is Crossfire Faith and Gaming. Uh, and then I would encourage you guys check out these podcasts, share them with your friends. Uh, right now we're doing a video podcast and we're getting them, uh, all mastered for audio. So we should be hosting soon. Uh, at a podcasting platform closest to you, things like Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, etc. cetera. So keep an eye out for when those things launch. And uh, yeah, we want to get to know you guys. We want to connect with you. I think more important than content creation or Minecraft or servers is community. So uh, first and foremost, let's connect with one another. Let's build a community where everybody belongs, where we can remind each other that God loves you and where we can have fun and uh, find the intersection between faith and gaming we'll see you guys in a couple weeks all right see you then god bless